Welcome to the Semi-Informed Football Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of European football. Join your hosts, Mark and Marco, as we explore the latest matches, controversies, and stories from the beautiful game across the continent. Whether you're a diehard fan or just getting started, we're here to bring you insightful analysis, lively debates, and a whole lot of passion for the sport we love. Get ready to experience European football like never before. So Marco and Mark back on the pod to talk about really interesting week of Champions League football. We had some great games and a really interesting upset at St. James's Park. Mark, what happened here? Well, one thing I mentioned on the last podcast was that St. James Park is a hard place to play in. Um, I believe this was the hardest park I mentioned that Kevin De Bruyne says he's ever played in, uh, followed by Anfield, and then surprisingly followed by the Molino and for Wolves, right? Was this much of an upset? I don't know. PSG has been struggling. Uh, fifth in the table in the French League. I looked into their last two games, and uh, two weeks back they beat Marseille for zip, and Marseille is not a, a, a team to push over and everything like that. But they tied Clermont Foot. Zero zero. Uh Sermon Foot is near the bottom of the table. So I'm like, but a team like PSG should really put them away. But what's really, really interesting is Luis Enrique has been playing sort of like a four-two-four with two midfielders. I don't know if that's really the way they should be playing. I know they have a lot of offense out there. You know, you have your Mbappes, you have your Polomwanis, right? Like I get it, right? But uh, you know, the I don't think the midfield's strong. And, you know, after send, sending away uh Xavi uh Simons, um that was their kind of holding midfielder and that was their strength in there. But uh, like, I don't think they're playing to the team's strengths. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of questions asked of uh, Luis Enrique, especially because of this loss, but also because of their their place in the standings. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe for all those uh, Paris fans who didn't really appreciate it, the impact that Messi and uh, Neymar had, right? Yeah. And maybe it takes a little bit of time to get over that. But I was looking at the box score for this and it looked like um, for me, it's just wrong because he was 76% possession to to 24% possession for uh, uh, for PSG and still losing the game 4-1. Uh, again, again, it's just, just to confirm, because it's not really about possession and kind of moving the ball around, but just being uh, tactful and being able to uh, deliver when you get that ball. Yeah, that, you're right. I mean... 74% possession, 664 passes compared to Newcastle's 245. But it is about your um, your your finishes, right? The chances you get. Um, Newcastle had 12 shots, but eight of them were on target. PSG had 11 shots from all that possession and only managed uh, two shots on target. Yeah, and I just want to get back to your own point, your your point from before St. James's Park being a tough place to play. Like I remember, I was listening to a podcast that was saying was recording live from St. James's Park, and they were saying just the amount of insanity in Newcastle uh, leading up to this game was insane. Like I think their previous Champions League game was in two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Uh, so this is twenty years in the making. So you yeah. know, there's a lot of pent up, and uh, they they really did deliver. Yeah, I mean. Really, if you're scoring, um, uh, I was going to say, 50% of your shots on target, four goals. Like, that's that's huge. Amazing. So, uh, let's kind of wrap up Group F. Uh, again, I'm not going to say too much about this. Uh, Milan tied Dortmund in Dortmund. Uh, so, this is giving uh, Dortmund uh, one point, one sole point, and they're at the bottom of uh, of Group F. 
Now, Edin Terzic, the the manager, came out and said, you know what, we're in a good spot. Nobody's too far off. But I'm like, I, I don't see any uh, way up for this. I know Milan is a solid team and everything, but coming into your own building, Anna, this is something that you got to run out with three points. Yeah, so I know we just kind of knocked on PSG, but um, if they keep up that form, Dortmund, I think, can steal points from, from PSG. Um, at home, I think they could also steal points from, from Newcastle. Um, so that'd be interesting. The Milan game, I mean, I called it. I, I knew that Dortmund is a tough place to play. Probably they say the toughest in the world. Um, I I thought it would be a one-one tie. It ended up being zero-zero. Yeah, you I, and I still think the group is wide open, right? I mean, the points go four-three-two-one, right? Yeah, it's still early to tell, right? Uh, so that's Group F, timing up Group F. Now I'm going to jump to, let's go back to the beginning and start up with Group A. Now Group A, I feel like this is a really, really exciting group. Um, all the games are, are really interesting. So Group A, the first game that we're going to talk about is uh, Bayern over Copenhagen. Where Bayern beat them 2-1. Now, um, on the last Champions League uh, uh, podcast, I called that, I, I think I thought Bayern was going to win by a slim margin, but I knew they were going to have trouble with Copenhagen. Now I think this is a result of them against adjusting to Tuchel's system or uh, not really having that uh, really defensive uh, strength. Uh, in the offseason, they had an opportunity to pick up João Pelinha from Fulham as their sort of uh, defensive holding midfielder. And uh, that I think that went right to the last day of uh, the transfer window, and it didn't happen. So that is something that they're really, really missing. They don't really have that, that the defensive uh, midfielder that they really, that they really needed. Um, I think Bayern really has to sort themselves out this year. Because as they're playing right now, I don't think that they're one of the favorites. I think they have some really interesting, uh, pl- uh, really interesting players. Like I think uh, Musiala, which was the first goal, was lightning. Like I, th- I think um, Musiala has been great in league play, great in Champions League. Uh, that goal was uh, was great. But just kind of sneaking by Copenhagen two uh, one again. It was in Copenhagen, right? It wasn't in it wasn't in um, in in uh, Munich, but. That's uh, that's kind of telling. Like, where, where do you think they're headed? Well, I just want to make the comment. You know, based on the last game, this game, um, a couple of other games we're going to talk about. This is why they call them, you know, those magical European nights. So, for those of you who you may may follow just one league, um, think that a, a team, you know, a small team like Copenhagen, can't fight with the Giants. That's the magic of the European night because anything can happen and. Especially home games. Home games are so important. True. And the fans, you know, they're so excited. There's so much energy uh, behind the home team. So, yeah, I think we can expect to see a lot of tight games with uh, with home teams. Interesting. I, I mean, your point about Bayern not signing Palinha, I think that is huge because I think Bayern has the firepower up front. Uh, they've got some great defenders, but it's that that holding mid position where they're sort of lacking. True. Let's jump into the next uh, match right here in Group uh, Group A. Was Galatasaray Manchester United? Now this was a really really interesting <laughs> game. So what? Um, again, just like, like chronologically, we can go through the game. Um, Hoyland gets an early goal in about sixteen minutes, and uh, it was a nice header. Like I think Hoyland is really. I think he's. He's, he's he's fitting into that role. Like I, I didn't know he would really kind of uh, jump into that striker role right away at M- Manchester. But again, having having pretty good uh, champions up, I, I see a good upside with him. However, 
Zaha countering about four minutes later. And um, I, I love the goal. Like, uh, Delot was trying to take, and he was fighting him off, but Zaha hitting it off Delot, putting it right, right into the ground and just bouncing over Onana. I think it was a great goal. And then after that, Hoyland scores again in the uh-huh. seventh minute. And and to build on your point, I do think that Hoyland is looking like a, a proper, a pure, a pure striker. That's what he's looking like to me. But, I, you know, in the league play, he's still not getting that that service that, that he needs to be getting. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, a few other points that I want to make with this game um, before I kind of f- finish it off. Uh, playing Sofiane Amrabat as a back, um, I don't know what they uh, what Ten Hag is. Uh, is I, yeah, he's 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 doing it at at the, at the in the league play. He's doing it in Champions League. Like that's like if you have a player of that caliber who's such great in the mid, playing him as a back just because they're um, like like Regulon is out or anything like that. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't think that's the right call. Yeah, so. After that Hoyland goal, there was that third goal, okay, by Galatasaray. Uh, sorry, the second goal by Galatasaray in the 71st minute. And then um, Casimiro gets a red card. What did you think of the red card, Marco? I, I, I think it was due. I think there, I think yeah, he came out and apologized a bit about that. But um, I guess it was fair. But I'm, I don't know. Do you think it's Manchester United tax? No, no. I just wanted to know if you thought it was a straight red. You know what? It's 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 iffy, but I but 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 I think it was it was it was suited. Yeah, I I do think it was the right call. And now going on back to Amrabat. So I said this on the podcast uh, on my EPL talk, right? I mentioned playing Amrabat on the left back didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And then Ten Hag goes and repeats the same mistake, but in Champions League. And this is why you know. And this is not, not a knock on Amrabat. Amrabat's a terrific player. But when you haven't been playing so much time in that position, you end up making a small mistake that's very costly. And what happened was, is that Amrabat is the one who kept Mauro Icardi on side. Now, he was playing the left. Icardi was right up the middle. The two center backs moved up. So they're pushing up. Icardi's behind them. Amrabat's on the left, but he's further back and he keeps Icardi on side and Icardi goes in. Now, here's another thing. That goal that Icardi scores, it's a chip. <laughs> but it's a weak chip. Like, yeah, I, think that, 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 I think that was an Onana mistake. That was also an Onana mistake. Onana, what's know. his name? I don't know what he's doing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's he's having a terrible season. Yeah, the thing is with this is that if you took a look at his numbers in the Serie A, I felt that he was an average to good keeper, but phenomenal on the foot and phenomenal in advancing the play. Mm-hmm. But as the, as as you know, keeping goals out of the net, I think he was average to good only. And I guess you're kind of seeing that exposed here. And you know what? I think like just the the amount of eyes on uh, United and just the amount of taking that apart like again it's it's it, it is kind of exposing a lot of his kind of deficiencies too but also exposing how you know this is why you you go after the right players you're right his numbers weren't you know phenomenal like world class he got far with uh inter to the champions league final primarily because of their cdms and their defense right and so what does that say when he comes to a team like united well their cdm positions 
I mean, Casemiro aside, they hadn't been really solidified until Amrabat came. But when he's playing out of position and the rest of your defenders are weak, I mean, it, it exposes how good Onana really is. I mean, at this point, Man United's better off signing a free agent out there. This guy, what's his name? It starts with a David uh, De Gea. Free agent David De Gea is probably better um, in that right about now. Anyways, let's jump on over to Group B. Uh, so I don't know if you called this uh, on our last Champions League, but Lance over Arsenal one nothing. What did you make of this game? All right, so I'm going to call them Lens. All right, this game here, Lens Arsenal again, another European night. I predicted that if this game was at the Emirates Stadium in London, that Arsenal, I said, would probably win three nothing pretty comfortably. But I thought that this was going to be a tough game because Lens is at home. Sure enough, it was a tough game. Um, they were even better than Arsenal, and they actually beat Arsenal in this game. And this is why you can't take any other European team or league lightly when you're playing away at their, at their home. Yeah. And Lens now tops the group, right? They got a win and a draw. Yeah, they're on fire, on fire, leading into match day three. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Now to finish off Group B is PSV and Sevilla had a two-two draw. Interesting. Uh, PSV Eindhoven, you know, having having a strong kind of go at it as well. Sevilla still pretty good, pretty decent in uh, in the, in Spain as well. Yeah. So this game was my prediction. I predicted Sevilla would would win it, um, based on the fact that they've been seven-time Europa League champions. They have a lot of European experience, which is really important. And they were actually winning the game 1-0 in the 68th minute. Uh, PSV got a penalty in the 86th, and Luke de Jong uh, ties it up 1-1. But then Yusuf and Nezri scores a minute later. So in the 87th minute, and this, you know, 90-minute game, this looks like it's over. But PSV scored in the 95th minute, okay? The, those last second heartbreakers, and the game ends 2-2. Crazy. Crazy. Now, so, interesting stat on this game was that PSV actually had 26 shots and eight of them on target. Firepower there. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Let's move into Group C. Um, love this game. I think this was an amazing game. But Real Madrid and not... Now, um, one thing that I want to say before we even get into the game, what I thought was really interesting is that they gave um, Don Carlo, so uh, uh, Carlo Ancelotti, they gave him like a hero's welcome in Napoli. And um, I, I don't know if anybody noticed, but he, like, he, had a, he had a bit of, I think he had a coffee break with Napoli in about 2018. So um, I, 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 yeah, I did a little bit of uh, research on Ancelotti. He's actually played, he's actually coached in all top five uh, leagues. Um, he's won in all top five leagues. Well, well, he brought PSG their first league title after like not winning it for 16 years. Like un unreal. Like he's, he's, he's coached in all top five leagues. So again, right after that uh, spell that he had with Bayern, where he was dismissed after that, they actually, um, he, he spent some time with Napoli, then he went to Everton and then, you know what, came right back to Real, Real Madrid, but. Yeah, they gave him a hero's welcome, which I thought was interesting. But uh, I guess Napoli likes their legends. But um, you know, going going into the game, I thought it was exciting. Um, one one, the first thing that I noticed was uh, the first goal by by Napoli is that Kepa screwed up on a clearance, 
uh, giving it to uh, Ostergaard and Ostergaard put it in, right? So I, I thought that was a really nice way to kick things off. But leading into, and again, one of my most exciting players of, uh, I get this year so far, is um, Bellingham. So Bellingham having a very, very great match. He set up, uh, he like he he took the ball and he set up Vinny for the for, for Real Madrid's first goal. Um, yep. I think it was really well played, really well dished off. And Vinny c- kind of slid it into the far post uh, to, 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 to kick things off for Real Madrid. Yeah, and you know Madrid's lucky to have Vinny back uh, working together in tandem with uh, Bellingham, and then seven minutes later, Bellingham scores uh, himself, puts Madrid up two one. Yeah, uh, honestly, like I know I've said this as part of another game, but Bellingham and uh, Musiala, um, I don't know which one's more exciting. Like maybe uh, Bellingham, it's a little bit more show, but I'm like both phenomenal youngsters that can just kind of weave through the traffic like unbelievable. Yeah, Bellingham's got to be top in the world right now yeah i mean what he's doing yeah yeah and he was had the way they set him up is they set him up as like uh i guess an attacking 10 with um with Vinny on the left and rodrigo on the right uh which because of his scoring prowess just seems like it's the it's the right move but um another thing i want to point out is like i know i know we're gonna finish off this game but i just want to point out and this is for like you know next year's talk and everything like that so Season three. Yeah, no, no. But but with Vinny on the left and being as great as he is, um, what does that mean for Mbappe, who is a left player who doesn't really dri- he doesn't really succeed when he drifts to the middle? He's a left-sided player. And even, yeah. even on like because we're on the Opolis case, Kvartskelia, who says his dream is to play in Real Madrid, like <laughs> they could have the strongest left side, but again, only one of those players can play at a time. So that, that that'd be pretty. Yeah. Well, I mean, given the choice between Mbappe and Vinny, you take Mbappe, right? Yeah. Vinny, as talented as he is, you know, he he's a hard worker. His success comes from hard work. But if you if you have a talent that's going to score more goals, I mean, yeah, there's your answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to wrap up this game, uh, Zelens- uh, Peter Zelinsky, in the 54th minute, scores a penalty for Napoli, so we're tied at two. But it did take an own goal. It did take an own goal for Madrid to get the third goal in the 78th minute and give them the victory. All right. So moving on to Braga and Union Berlin in Berlin. Um, I My prediction, well, what I recall, is that I had Union Berlin uh, winning this one at home just because I felt bad for them for that late uh, Bellingham goal um, to that they lost to Real Madrid in the, in the first in match day one. Um, again, you, I think you even mentioned, you mentioned is that Braga is a decent team. Yeah. Bra- Braga... They're a, they're a strong team. I think they're an underrated team. European Knights can repeat it again. Um, they almost pulled it off in game one. Uh, they pulled it off in game two on the road. Cool. So let's move on to Group D, where we had Real, Real Sociedad over Salzburg. Yeah, this one, I, I believe I picked Real Sociedad in this one, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, I was flying high off Kubo. I think Takafusa uh, Kubo has been playing fantastic for Sociedad. Um, in this match, um, he, he, I, I don't believe he scored. No, he didn't score. Um, but he was a huge importance in this match. Well, Yarzabal, who's been scoring in, in the, um, in La Liga, he got a goal and so did Bryce Mendes. A good match. Uh, next we move over to Inter's win over uh, Benfica. Uh, this was a one nothing win. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of uh, not giving into their due. Like they, they made the final last year and every, and I know a lot of people said that, well, they had the easier route to the final, but I think they've shown that they're a very, very solid team. 
And I think that this is this should be a scarier one for later in the knockout stage. I actually think Inter's a, a stronger team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think what this scoreline shows, because Inter was at home, and this is a big shout out to all our uh, Portuguese listeners here, uh, Benfica was strong. They held them to only a one nothing victory. This was not an onslaught. And again, playing against a much tougher Inter team. For sure. Okay, let's move on to Group E with uh, Atletico having a comfortable win, 3-2 over Feyenoord. Yeah, so this this isn't just an interesting match. I thought that this is a, this is one of my most entertaining groups because on points, you know, I, I don't want to jump ahead too much about Celtic, but Madrid's on four, Lazio's on four, Feyenoord's on three, and Celtic's on zero. Um, but it, but it's a pretty tight group. And after only two matches played and seeing how each team has played each other uh, after the first two games, I still think this is um, this group is wide open. And then moving into Lazio over Celtic. So Lazio beat Celtic 2-1. Now, so they're getting a, capturing a three points from that game after, you know, last-minute heroics from Provodal in the previous game, getting them one point on a 1-1 win with Atletico. And moving into Lazio, Lazio winning 2-1 over Celtic. So to your point... Tightening up the group. Yeah, so in this one, again, Celtic Park, great fans, um, strong home stadium. You know, I thought Celtic had a chance. Uh, My prediction, I believe, was a tie, although I thought Celtic could pull it out. And the remnants of Ange Postacoglu, his Japanese connection, and Kyogo Fruhashi scores in the 12th minute. Uh, Watch the replay if you haven't seen this goal. The build-up. The three passes before the goal, fantastic. Just a fantastic finish um, through the legs. Lazio, though, comes back. We knew that they'd put up a fight, obviously. Um, the previous game, they put up, like we said, a big fight against Atletico. Kind of surprised us. And in the 29th minute, uh, Lazio ties the game. But the game's uh, pretty tight throughout. Um, Celtic had more possession. They had more passes, higher passing accuracy. All that is because of home home field, right? So it was really sad, kind of gutting to see uh, Pedro score in the 95th minute. Again, another one of those 95th minute goals and then the final whistle, right? So hard luck for Celtic, but I think, um, like I said, they're only four points behind the leader. Only two matches have been played. Hopefully this game gives them um, some confidence uh, moving forward. Okay, let's move into Group G. Now, City had a uh, 3-1 win over Leipzig. Now, here are the defending champions. Um, I think they're going to capture all the points from the group stage. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Leipzig really was their strongest competition in this group. And not to take anything away from Young Boys or Red Star, but this is Man City, the reigning champs. I do think that they're going to take all the points away from this group, even if they're playing a B squad. And then they'll cap off this group, uh, poor Red Star uh, at home in Belgrade, but they got a 2-2 draw against Youngquist. So this is a game that they really should have tried to capture that, even or even if it was just to kind of uh, get that Europa spot. But uh, yeah, you're right. It looks like City and Leipzig will likely t- come out of this group, but uh, let's let's see what happens with Red Star and Youngquist. All right, Group H is up next. Uh, group H is Barca, Porto, Shakhtar, and Antwerp. And let's start with the Barcelona match. Yeah, one zip over Porto. One zip. I mean, Barca getting one goal in the first half. Okay, stoppage time. 
But I think they are going to have some concerns with Gavi's red card. It was a straight red in the 93rd minute. Again, another Portuguese team really putting up a fight, uh, Porto. Uh, and again, Porto is also habitually in Champions League, so they have that European experience too. And the final game um, in Group H was Antwerp versus Shakhtar. I've always liked Shakhtar. Um, I think they've always been pretty strong and always have been in... Um, the Champions League, so they got that experience too. I didn't know if they'd be able to pull it off because they were on the road, and and they did. They pulled off a 3-2 win over Antwerp. So that wraps up uh, our, our the, the Champions League games for this week. Now, so coming up is uh, on October 24th, 25th, are going to be the next uh, match day. Match now, day three. Yeah, and this, this one, this is where it really, really gets interesting because it kind of leads into match day three and four, which are the home and away um, back-to-backs. So you're going to see a lot of really, really great matchups and the away leg. So they'll all play home and away. So again, it's it's going to be a really good tie-in. Yeah, and the first game we're going to start with is uh, Galatasaray and Bayern. And Marco, you get this pick. Bayern's going to come over this. But I'm going to say, you know, just after watching that Copenhagen game, I'd say it's going to be a 2-1 win. For Bayern? For Bayern. Keep in mind, Galatasaray is at home. 100%. I agree. All right, sticking with you know what that that's that that's likely, and uh, you're right. Uh, Inter has been getting stronger. Home and like I just said, they were strong, so I'm gonna say Inter with a win. Okay, you're up with Union Berlin and Napoli. Yeah, as much as I said Union Berlin, I want them to get that win. I think Napoli is a little bit solid uh, for for this year, so I'm gonna have to say this is gonna be Napoli, but it's gonna. I think they might go off, and it might be a three three nothing win. Yeah, I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna say a strong Napoli performance. Yeah. They next Sevilla Arsenal Sevilla at home. Arsenal got that taste on the on the road. I mean, it's been a while since they've been in Champions League. Um, they got that taste from Lens. Sevilla, I still have confidence that Sevilla, with all that European experience they have, and with their home fans, I'm actually gonna say Sevilla wins. Interesting. Yeah, back to back losses for Arsenal. Okay, jumping into the next game, uh, Braga Real Madrid. Um, yeah, again, got to give Cura Braga credit for how they played and everything like that. I just think the juggernaut that really is Real Madrid, I think that they end up winning this one. I I like 2 nothing. Yeah, I think that's fair play. Okay, Lens PSV, Lens at home again. Um, you know, we, we didn't really get into deep dive the, the stats of the PSV game against Sevilla. They really took it to them. So this one, Lens at home, I'm actually going to say Lens pulls it off again. Good. Good for that team. Uh, next, running into Benfica, Real Sociedad. Um, I know what you've said about Real. Um, Benfica doing well in the Portuguese league. Um, I, I think Benfica is going to f- get their first win here, so I'm going to say it's going to be 2-1. We don't talk draws a lot, but this next game, Man United, Copenhagen, playing at Old Trafford, playing as well as they have been, um, I'm going to say there's a draw in this game. Either 1-1 or surprisingly 2-2. Maybe even Harry Maguire in his pursuit of the Guinness Book all-time record of own goals. So you, you see, you mentioned you mentioned a draw. I think I'm going to take one. So Barcelona Shakhtar. Um, I think this is going to be a one-one uh, draw as well. Oh wow! Barca's at home, but I I, 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 th- I think this could happen. All right, so we're going to continue our predictions of draws. Feyenoord at home to Lazio. I'm going to say one-one in this game. Okay. Next game, Newcastle-Dortmund. I know I've been really, really hard on Dortmund and Newcastle just coming off a phenomenal win. Uh, this is going to be at St. James's Park. I think Newcastle is going to take this one one nothing. 
I think that's a great prediction, actually. Yeah. Okay, next up, Leipzig and Red Star Belgrade. I'm going to say Leipzig at home, one nothing. Yeah. You know what? Belgrade's not going to come into uh, Leipzig and take that. I think I agree with that. The next one, uh, running into Young Boys Man City. Um, I don't see a way yet Young Boys can actually win this game. Don't think it's going to be a blowout. But, you know, I'm going to put a higher score up there. I'm going to put 4-1. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. For Man City, by the way. Yeah. Unless Pep wants to sort of hold some players back. If not, I think 4-1. Yeah. Yeah, All right, next up. PSG, Milan, PSG's at home. I still think Milan uh, is has been more consistent. PSG has lots of potential with all those players, Ramos, uh, Colomuani, Mbappe, um, but consistency is important, so I'm going to pick Milan. Uh, Scoreline, squeeze it out, one nothing. Interesting. Okay, moving into the next game, Celtic, Atletico, Madrid. I think Atletico's on a little bit of a roll. I think they take this game 3-1. Yeah, Celtics at home. I'll say I'll say a one-one tie. Yeah, and the last game uh, for match day three: Antwerp and Porto. I, I'm gonna keep going with my uh, pro Portuguese um, predictions here. The Portuguese football system has been putting out good coaches, good players. Uh, I think Porto is gonna win on the road. Scoreline: I'm gonna say. I'm actually gonna surprise. I'm gonna say three nothing. Interesting. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write down all of these and we're going to mention it on the next podcast that we to cover the Champions League and say how we did or how, how great we did and how poorly we did. But uh, it's interesting. I, I like going into these games with uh, with a predetermined uh, score. So it makes them a lot more interesting. Yeah, it does. It does. Definitely. And I think that wraps us up for the week. So I'm Marco. And I'm Mark. And we're keeping you semi-informed. <laughs> <laughs>